We are up to the Mishnah, a new Mishnah on Chafhei Amar Aleph 25A3 in the Archical Gemara. Uh, before we continue with the Mishnah, just one other point from the previous Gemara. Uh, the Gemara was discussing circumstantial evidence, and if we could use circumstantial evidence uh, to say that there's a, that we require a wife to a wife and husband to get divorced if there's circumstantial evidence for uh, adultery. Uh, so, just to point out in halacha. In Jewish law, circumstantial evidence is hardly ever used. Uh, we almost always require two witnesses. Here is one exception, according to some, only according to some within Rashi, uh, because they would be always living in sin, and so therefore, uh, we, as a rabbinic decree, we say that they should get divorced, according to Rashi. And so, uh, it could be used here on a rabbinic level. The only time where it's used on a biblical level is with regards to murder. We do use circumstantial evidence to prove a murder. And the Rambam, my Maharaj, explains that the reason for this is because murder uproots the fabric of society. Murder uproots the fabric of society, and so therefore we want to make sure uh, that the murderer is caught, and so therefore we will use circumstantial evidence. But in general, Jewish law does not use uh, circumstantial evidence as proof. Okay, let's continue on with the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a new topic. It's a continuation of the topic of different cases where uh, we are concerned that if a person marries somebody else, then um, either there's a prohibition to marry that person or there's concern that it will uh, create certain rumors, uh, it'll make them look bad, uh, different reasons like that. And so there's a few cases now where if something happens, something takes place, so then we say they're not allowed to marry a specific person. So let's see the details in the Mishnah. <coughs> the Mishnah has two, in, in the broad sense, two different cases. First case is as follows. The law is that uh, a person can appoint a messenger to send a divorce document. A person has to give a, do- if a person wants to get divorced, so then he, uh, the husband has to give the divorce document to his wife. He has the right to appoint a messenger to give that document to his wife. It's not a divorce until he gives the document uh, to his wife. Either he gives it himself or through a messenger. If he appoints a messenger, uh, so then if he's giving the divorce document, he's sending it from outside of Israel, so there is a law, which we'll get to when we discuss uh, the Masechah's uh, Gitten, the, the tractate which discusses the laws of divorce. Uh, there's a law that the messenger then has to say in front of the Beisdin, in front of the court, that the, the messenger has to say that I witnessed the signing and the writing of the divorce document. And the reason why he has to say that is because a divorce document has to be uh, written in a very specific way with specific intentions to give it to that specific couple, that it's involving that specific couple. And so even if you just have the divorce document alone, you do not know with certainty uh, that all the requirements were met. And so this messenger is now testifying in front of Bezdin as an individual. He's telling as an individual, he's saying that in front of me it was written with all the uh, proper uh, intentions that w- were met. Uh, so if you are the messenger who's giving this divorce document to the wife, the law is that you're not allowed to marry, you're not allowed to marry his wife afterwards. Uh, you're not allowed to marry his wife afterwards. And the reason for it is because we're concerned that since we're relying totally upon him to testify, it's one person testifying, so then maybe he's making the whole thing up. 
really they didn't have the right intentions. And he's doing this so because he has a desire to marry this woman. And so A, the divorce might not even be a really a halachic divorce. And B, even if it is a halachic divorce, um, it could be that uh, for some reason it is a halachic divorce, but still there are rumors out there. There'll be rumors saying that the, that really uh, he only said this because he wanted to marry her, and he did marry her in the end. So therefore, uh, to remove any of these concerns, we say that if you are the messenger, you're the one person that we're relying upon, so then you are not allowed to marry his wife. That is rule number one, case number one. Case number two is about testimony. And so the Gemara will also discuss some laws of testimony, some interesting laws of testimony. The case number two is a few cases. The broader case number two is if a person testifies with regard, in, with, regard with regards to a husband, mace, that he died. That's case. That's number one, either that he died, or heractive, or that I killed him. You testify in front of court that I killed him, or haragnuhu, that we killed him. And the Gemara will explain that it's not that we killed him, but that I saw that he was murdered. I was with them. I was in the presence of the murder. Uh, so two and three is different because case number two is where I say I killed him. Case number three is, is where I just say I say that I saw the murder. Lo yisas ishto, he is not allowed uh, to marry. We believe his testimony, even if though he's an individual. In general, when it comes to Jewish law, we require two witnesses. There are very unique circumstances where we we accept just one witness. This is one example where we accept one witness, and the reason for this is because. Uh, we al- this one witness will be enough proof to allow the wife to go and get married. The husband is lost. We don't know where the husband is. The husband is missing. And so this one person testifies and says that I know that he died or I killed him or that I saw him, that he was murdered. So then uh, we believe him and the wife can then go marry somebody else. And part of the reason why we believe one individual is because we say that this wife is also going to look into the matter and she will only remarry if she knows with certainty, if she really, really knows that this, te- this witness is really saying the truth. Uh, because if he's not saying the truth, so then it could have really devastating ramifications. Because if she goes and marries somebody else, then all of a sudden the husband comes back, the first husband comes back, so then the children from the second marriage might be mamzerim. It's essentially adultery. She was always married to the first husband. It's a, it's a form of a, adultery, unwilling, un, unknowing, but it would be a form of adultery. And so the children would be mamzerim. She would have to get divorced from both husbands. And so it would have such serious ramifications that we say that we can rely on one, one witness because we know that she is going to look into the matter. She will look into the matter and make sure that she's only going to rely on this one witness if she really knows that her husband is no longer alive. So we trust that one witness. So if we have any of these cases, uh, the first opinion says, the Tanakhama says, that that one witness is not allowed to marry the wife. Because if that one witness were to be allowed to marry the wife, Rashi explains... Uh, that it's going to lead to all these rumors. He's only testifying so that he can marry her. Uh, it looks bad. It looks pretty bad if he goes and then he marries the wife. We're only relying on that one witness. It's not like we have two witnesses. In general, we have two witnesses, but it's just that one witness. We say he cannot marry uh, the wife. Uh, he's testifying about the husband, that the husband's no longer alive. He cannot marry the wife. Rabbi Huda argues. Rabbi Huda argues with regards to two statements. Rabbi Huda, Omer, Haraktiv, Ishta. Rabbi Huda says, first of all, if you say that I killed... I killed him. We do not believe you to say that I killed him. We do not believe you. A person is not allowed to testify about something which they did. First of all, they're making themselves into what we call a rasha. A rasha is, a, is, a, is an, under the category of a bad person who is not allowed to testify by saying, if you admit to the court system 
that you committed murder, so we do not believe you because you're making yourself into a Russia, into an evil person. We do not believe you with regards to yourself. We do not believe you. And since we don't believe you with regards to yourself, we also do not believe you to say that the person died. It's all within the same statement. You said, I killed uh, the person. So therefore, we do not believe you. You're not allowed to self, in Jewish law, you are not allowed to self-incriminate yourself. And so therefore, you are not believed. She is not allowed to go marry anybody because you are totally not believed. That is the position of a Yehuda. The Gemara will try to understand the position, the first, the first, uh, uh, the first opinion who says that you are allowed to uh, you are allowed to marry based on that. You can't marry the person, the, the witness, but you're allowed to marry based on that testimony. Uh, just to explain a little bit why in, in, in Torah law, you are allowed to self-incriminate in terms of uh, if a person says that I owe somebody money. So if they tell that to the court system, then they have to pay the money. If they say they know that something's not kosher, then they're not allowed to eat it. What we're discussing here is not just uh, the natural result, but it's really... Uh, a decision from the court. The court often has to make a decision uh, either to to fine or to punish, uh, whether it's the death penalty or whether it is uh, by lashes or other way, other other forms of punishment. Uh, in order for the basin, for the court system to bring about a, a punishment, uh, in that case, we do not believe uh, a person to self-incriminate themselves. They, they are believed for themselves to say that they owe somebody money or that they know that something's not kosher. But when it comes to uh, coming, acting as a witness in front of the court, uh, so that they're not, uh, they're not, and for the court to make a ruling uh, that involves uh, a fine or, or a punishment so that they are not believed uh, about. And there are two different reasons behind this. One reason is because it's like they're a relative, just like relatives are not allowed to testify for each other. A person is a relative to themselves. And so therefore they're not allowed to test- testify um, and another reason is the Rambam says, Mamani says that it's just, it's exeris akasav. There's a Torah law that we need two witnesses who are not the person himself. And he even said, he gives some idea behind it that maybe a person wants to self-incriminate themselves because they feel bitter about life. They feel bitter about life and so therefore they're not really being honest, but they just want to get punished. And so therefore they go in front of the court and they say these things. They're lying because they are very bitter and depressed about life. So therefore we will not believe a person with regards to anything they say about themselves. Anyway, that everybody agrees to. But Rabbi Yehuda here says that if a person says that I killed the person, so then not only do we not believe you, we also do not believe the fact that the person is dead. And so therefore the wife cannot marry anybody. It's not, it's not acceptable testimony. And as I pointed out before, the Gemara will explain the first opinion. He also argues with regards to the, the last case, Harganuhu, when we say that we killed him, uh, so then Tinase Ishto, then a person could marry, he could marry uh, the wife. In a case where he says that we killed him, and the Gemara will explain why, but a person could say it could marry uh, the wife within his testimony. Okay, so those are the two broad cases. Again, one case is about a messenger. One messenger, we're believing one messenger to say that the get, the divorce document, was written properly, and then he cannot marry the wife. The second case is when a person testifies to say, an individual person, one person testifies to say that the husband died, uh, so then uh, he's not allowed to go and marry uh, the wife, after he's believed in his testimony to say that the husband died. That also looks bad. And within that, we have a dispute between the first opinion and second opinion about the cases where he says, I killed him, or the case where he says that we killed him, or we, I saw him that he was killed. So the Gemara will explain all of those cases. Let's start with the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. This is, the Gemara is now discussing the case of, of being acting as a messenger for the divorce document, 
The Gemara says, "Time to be Hayam." Dalek kasam chinon, aval me'eret Yisrael, dalav ales kasam chinon, yisa esishto. The Gemara says that, the Mishnah said that the only time that the messenger is not allowed to marry, the wife, the messenger for the divorce document, is only when we're outside of Israel. When you're outside of Israel, so then a person has to say, because outside of Israel they weren't, there's a concern that they're not as familiar with regards to the laws of, of a divorce document, of writing a divorce document, and so therefore he has to testify and say it was written properly. But if you're in Israel, in Israel they do know the laws uh, at that time. And so therefore he does not have to testify to say that it was written in front of me and written properly. And so therefore we're not really relying on him. But he is acting as the messenger. In the end of the day he is acting at the mes- as the messenger. Nevertheless, he would be, it would be permissible for him to marry uh, the wife. The one that he's giving the get to, the divorce document to, he's able to marry her. It's only in the case where we require his testimony, i.e. outside the land of Israel, where we require his testimony to say that it was written properly, then we don't believe him. But if it's inside the land of Israel where we are not relying on his testimony, even though he is the messenger, then he is allowed to marry the wife. So they were asked, how is this different from the second case of the Mishnah? This case in the land of Israel, how is it different than the second case? In the case where a person testifies that they say that that I saw that your husband died, so in that case we do not rely entirely on that one witness, as we pointed out before. The reason why that one witness is believed is in combination with the fact that the wife will look and investigate into the matter very carefully because the repercussions are very severe. She could, if the husband returns and she marries somebody else in the middle, so then the children could be mamzerim and she would have to get divorced from both. It would be a, viewed as adultery. And so therefore, she has to, because it's only based on one witness, um, and so therefore she investigates very carefully. And so it's not purely based on one witness, but it's a combination of factors. It's one witness plus the fact that she investigated into it carefully. And yet, even though it's based on a combination of factors, we say she is not allowed uh, to marry that one witness. How is that different from the case of giving a divorce document in the land of Israel where it's true that one witness is not testifying, but at the end of the day, he's involved. And so therefore, he's involved, he's a messenger. It seems to be as long as you're involved and you're necessary, you should not be able to marry uh, the wife. Just like when it comes to testifying about the fact that the husband died, it's not based purely on your testimony, So too, and yet you're not allowed to marry the wife. So to over here, when you give the divorce document in the land of Israel, you should not be believed uh, to say that you should not believe, be believed, uh, you should not be able to, to marry uh, the wife in that case. So the Gemara answers as follows. This is the distinction. There's a big difference. When it comes to the testimony of that one individual, so there's, we don't have any document to, to back him up. It's true. She has to investigate, but at the end of the day, it's based on his word. When it comes to the messenger, there's a document, there's a divorce document with witnesses on the divorce document. And so therefore there's a big difference. Ditanan, as we have in the Mishnah, There are various laws, there are other laws as well which differentiate between one witness testifying to say that the husband died and acting as a messenger. For example, uh, the mother-in-law of the mother-in-law of the uh, the wife, i.e. her husband's uh, mother is allowed to be the messenger for the divorce document, but cannot testify to say that her own son slash the husband died. Uh, or the uh, 
the brother-in-law, the husband's brother, is allowed to act as the messenger, but he cannot testify to the fact that his brother died. Or the daughter of the husband is not allowed to testify that her father slash the husband of the wife died, but he, she is allowed to act as the messenger. So we have various leniencies here to say uh, that uh, that there's that a divorce document is different than the one witness. The one witness um, uh, is is we're relying basically purely on his word. We don't have any other proof. We do say it's in combination of the fact that the wife will look and investigate into the matter very carefully uh, because we have a certain leniency here. In general, in general, we require two witnesses. Here, we will, will we will require just one. But we will also, because we are lenient to just require one, we say that she's allowed to marry as long as she, she investigates and looks into it because the ramifications are, are significant. Uh, but in the end of the day, it's based on his one individual testimony. However, when it comes to acting as a messenger for a divorce document, it's not just purely based on the messenger alone. It's based on a written document. We have a written document in front of us with witnesses. The witnesses are writing in there that, that they were acting as witnesses when it was signed, when the document, the divorce document was signed. And so therefore, it's a big difference. And so we will say that if you're acting as a messenger in the land of Israel where you do not have to testify, so then you are allowed to marry the wife after you give the divorce document. If it's outside the land of Israel where we, we require your, uh, your testimony to say that it was written properly and according to halacha, and in front of me it was written, so then you are not, believe, you're, you are not allowed to marry uh, the wife. After you give the divorce document, it's a good divorce, but you're not allowed to marry the wife. And also, if a person testifies to say that the husband died because we're essentially going based on your word and it's one witness, even though in general we require two witnesses, so then that one witness is not allowed uh, to, uh, that witness is not allowed to marry the wife after he testifies in that case. Okay, so that is the conclusion of that part of the Gemara. Uh, we will stop here and continue with the next part of the Gemara in the next recording, which will discuss when is it do we are we able to believe? Are we, this is just a, a short preview of the next class. Uh, are we allowed to believe testimony where a person incriminates themselves, where it impacts somebody else? Could we sort of split the testimony to say we don't believe the testimony with regards to yourself, but we we believe the testimony with regards to the other person, i.e. that the husband died, even though we will not believe the testimony to say that you killed the husband. So that is a big discussion, which will be uh, discussed in the, in the next recording.